Chapters eleven and twelve of the third volume by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven, a startling discovery. In one of his novels, Balzac makes the pertinent remark that it is impossible for man to understand the heart of woman, seeing that her creator himself does not understand it. These are not the precise words, but the sentiment is the same. And who, indeed, can understand a woman's heart? who can aver that he has a complete comprehension of her character very young men lay claim to such a knowledge but as they grow older and the vanity of youth gives way to the modesty begotten by experience they no longer pretend to such omniscience and humbly admit their inability to solve the riddle of femininity had the sphinx proposed such an enigma to oedipus he would not have been able to guess it and so meeting the fate of other victims would have deprived thebes of a king and sophocles of a tragedy yet if we bear in mind that women work rather from impulse than from motive we may arrive at some knowledge of the organ in question if a woman is impulsive and most women are she acts directly on those impulses and so startles men by paradoxical actions as a rule the male intellect has logical reasons wherefrom it deduces motives upon which to act not so with women they obey the impulse of the moment reckless of the consequence to themselves or to any one else consequently it is impossible to foretell how a woman will act in a given circumstance but it may be asserted that she will obey the latest thought in her mind even from this point of view the feminine mind is still a riddle but one which is more capable of explanation for example mrs bezel read a whim of fate and thus after five-and-twenty years the horriston tragedy was freshly impressed on her brain seized with remorse terrified by the memory of the crime she acting on the impulse wrote to hilliston stating that she intended to see claude larcher and reveal all the dismay of the lawyer at this mad proposal and his steady opposition thereto turned what was originally a mere whim into a fixed idea she saw a way of punishing the man for the withdrawal of his love ten years before when she lost her beauty and became paralyzed delighted at learning that she had still some power to wound him she persisted in her project and so wrote the letter to larcher which she received the day after his arrival in london to baffle hilliston and to prevent him from intercepting the letter she was obliged to use all her wits and so hit on the idea of learning the name of the young man's club how she managed to obtain it is best known to herself but hilliston never dreaming of this pertinacity was unable to thwart her schemes and beyond writing to claude telling him to call could do nothing had he guessed that she would write her invitation to the club he might have called and obtained it in the character of larcher's guardian but knowing her helpless condition the thought that it might be there never entered his mind so the letter arrived was duly answered and claude was coming to-day at three o'clock to hear what mrs bezel had to say the visit though due to her own action was a source of considerable anxiety for she was not at all certain of what she would say it was impossible to tell all without inculpating hilliston and this for reasons of her own mrs bezel was unwilling to do all her talk of the previous night had been so much rodomantade to frighten the man she hated but she was too well aware of her dependent position to think of doing him an injury her impulse had led her into deep water as she knew instinctively she was a woman who had lived every moment of her life but now stretched on a bed of sickness she missed her former triumphs and excitements this visit promised a great deal of amusement and the use of much diplomacy therefore she was unwilling to abandon her plans 
at the same time she determined to give the young man as little information as she possibly could it would not be through her agency that the mask would be torn from hilliston's face she was resolved on that point yet the matter starting originally from an impulse had now gone too far for her to draw back claude had seen the papers and therefrom must have guessed that she desired to impart certain information with regard to the crime which had cost him a father mrs bezel therefore compromised the matter and settled in her own mind to tell him half the truth or at all events only sufficient to interest him without aiding him had she been a man and had taken this decision all would have gone well but being a woman she reckoned without her impulse and it betrayed her moreover she had a revelation to make which would effectively tie larcher's hands should he learn too much but this she did not intend to make unless driven into a corner she was in that corner before the interview was finished though she little expected to get there hilliston clever as he was could not understand her present actions she did not understand them herself else she would not have ventured to receive claude larcher he duly arrived at three o'clock and mrs bessel glanced approvingly at his stalwart figure and handsome face claude had one of those sympathetic yet manly natures to which women are instinctively drawn by the law of sex and mrs bessel proved no exception to this rule she was too thoroughly a woman not to relish masculine society and despite her perplexity was glad she had sent the invitation if only for the sake of talking to this splendid-looking young man there was another reason which she revealed in a moment of impulse but that was later on meanwhile claude seated by her couch in the window was wondering who she was and why she had sought this interview he was certainly aware that she had some information to impart concerning the fate of his parents but as he had not seen her name in the papers containing the account of the case he was at a loss to fix her identity his doubts were soon set at rest mrs bessel was a more prominent actor in the horriston tragedy than he had any idea of you were doubtless astonished to get my letter said mrs bessel when the first greetings were over especially as you do not remember your parents and my name is also unknown to you were you a friend of my parents madam asked claude too anxious for information to reply directly to her remark yes i-i knew them that is i lived at horriston stammered mrs bessel passing a handkerchief across her dry lips you lived at horriston at the time of the murder mrs bessel nodded she was not yet sufficiently self-controlled for speech in that case continued claude eagerly you must know all the details of the crime only those that were reported in the papers still you must be acquainted with those concerned in the tragedy with my father with jerringham dennis bantry with mona his sister yes said mrs bessel calmly i knew them all have you any idea who committed the crime not the slightest but you must have some suspicions oh yes but they may be wrong i believe that mr jerringham had something to do with it oh said claude remembering hilliston's opinion some believe him to be guilty i cannot say for certain replied mrs bessel shaking her head the flight of mr jerringham certainly showed that he had something to conceal what kind of a man was mr jerringham tall and fair amiable as a rule but liable to violent passions was he not in love with my mother before she married my father mrs bessel turned away her head and the colour rose to her face 
the nervous movement of her hands plucking at her dress showed how profoundly she was moved by this question i believe so but she mrs larcher loved her husband then why was my father jealous of jerringham said claude who could not reconcile this statement with the evidence given at the trial how should i know cried mrs bezel turning on him with sudden passion if george larcher had not been so blinded by jealousy he would have seen that there was nothing between them your mother knew jerringham all his life they were like brother and sister it is true he wished to marry her but when he saw that her heart was given to your father he bowed to her decision he came to horriston as her friend not as her lover but he was constantly with her do you dare to speak thus of your mother sir i-i cannot help doing so stammered claude startled by the anger in her voice god knows i wish to revere the memory of my mother but i cannot help seeing that she was morally responsible for the tragedy she was not she was not said mrs bezel vehemently how dare you speak thus your father neglected her he left her to the companionship of mark jerringham while he indulged in his predilection for literary work all day long he shut himself up in his study and let his wife sit alone and miserable was it any wonder then that she should turn to her old friend for consolation there was nothing between them nothing to which any pharisee could have taken exception but surely my father was sufficiently sensible to see all this he saw nothing or what he did see was distorted by his jealousy the police in their endeavours to fix the crime on your mother took the same view of the relations between her and jerringham oh i know what you read in those papers shown to you by mr hilliston so surprised was claude by this unexpected introduction of his guardian's name that he could not suppress a start how do you know that mr hilliston showed me the papers mrs bezel saw that she had said too much but unable to go back on her words rapidly resolved to make that last revelation which she had hitherto intended to keep as a last resource mr hilliston told me that he had done so do you know him yes said mrs bezel seizing her opportunity to lead up to the revelation i know him as the best and kindest of men i know him as one who has been a good friend to you orphan as you thought yourself orphan as i thought myself muttered claude turning pale is it not true am i not an orphan no great heavens what is this you tell me my father your father is dead he was murdered as you know then my mother mrs bezel looked at the agonized face of the young man and covered her own with a quick indrawn breath she lives my mother she lives are you mad she died in london shortly after her acquittal so it was supposed but it was not true could you expect that unhappy woman to face the scorn and contempt of the world after having been accused of her husband's murder she did not die save to the world she fled from society and sought refuge here here where she lies a helpless invalid mrs bezel i am not mrs bezel i am your mother god my mother twelve revelations it was only natural that a silence should ensue between these two strangely brought together claude seated pale and anguished in his chair tried to collect his thoughts and stared wildly at his mother 
she with her face buried in the cushion sobbed bitterly after the way in which her son had spoken it was cruel that she should have been forced to make such a revelation at such a moment he condemned he reproached her conduct in the past and she again tasted the full bitterness of the cup which had been held to her lips twenty-five years before on his part claude did not know what to say he hardly knew what to think convinced by a perusal of the papers that his mother was morally guilty of his father's death he was overwhelmed to find that she was still alive and capable for all he knew of offering a defence for her share in the tragedy after all he had no right to judge her until he heard what she had to say blood is thicker than water and she was his mother now he saw the reason why helliston objected to his calling at hampstead why he advised him to let sleeping dogs lie after so long a period it was worse than useless to bring mother and son together their thoughts their aims their lives were entirely diverse and only pain could be caused by such a meeting claude silently acknowledged the wisdom of hilliston's judgment but at the same time could hardly refrain from condemning him for having kept him so long in ignorance of the truth mrs bezel as we must still continue to call her was astonished at this long silence but raised her head to cast a timid glance at claude his brow was gloomy his lips were firmly set and he looked anything but overjoyed at the revelation which she had made guessing his thoughts the unhappy woman made a gesture of despair and spoke in a low voice broken by sobs you too condemn me no mother he replied and mrs bezel winced as she heard him acknowledge the relationship i do not condemn you i have heard one side of the question i must now hear the other from you what more can i tell you than what you already know she said drying her eyes i must know the reason why you let me think you dead all these years it was my own wish and by the advice of mr hilliston claude bit his lip at the mention of this name and cast a hasty glance round the splendidly furnished room a frightful suspicion had entered his mind but she was his mother and he did not dare to give it utterance his mother guessed his thoughts and spared him the pain of speaking with a womanly disregard for the truth she promptly lied concerning the relationship which her son suspected to exist between his guardian and herself you need not look so black claude and think ill of me i am unfortunate but not guilty all that you see here is mine purchased by my own money your own money replied claude heaving a sigh of relief yes mr hilliston who has been a good friend to me saves sufficient out of my marriage settlement to enable me to furnish this cottage and live comfortably it is just as well added she bitterly else i might have died on the streets but why did you let hilliston bring me up to think i was an orphan i did not wish to shadow your life i did not wish you to change your name i had to change mine and retire from the world but that was part of my punishment still if it was impossible i tell you claude interrupted his mother impatiently when you grew up you would have asked questions and then i would have been forced to tell you all yet in spite of your precautions i do know all if you took all this trouble to hide the truth why reveal it to me now mrs bezel pointed to three books lying on an adjacent table claude quite understood what she meant i see he remarked before she could speak you think that the author of that book knows about my father's murder 
i am certain he does but what he knows or how he knows i cannot say still i am certain of one thing that he tells the story from hearsay what makes you think that it would take too long to tell you my reasons it is sufficient to state that the fictitious case differs from the real case in several important particulars for instance she added with a derisive smile the guilty person is said to be michael dean and he is is drawn from mr hilliston how do you know that she asked with a startled air claude shrugged his shoulders i have eyes to read and brains to comprehend he said quietly there is no doubt in my mind that the lawyer of the fiction is meant for the lawyer of real life otherwise i think the writer drew on his imagination it was necessary for him to end his story by fixing on one of the characters as a criminal and owing to the exigencies of the plot as developed by himself he chose michael dean otherwise mr hilliston as the murderer but you don't think oh no i don't think mr hilliston is guilty i read the trial very carefully and moreover i do not see what motive he could have to commit the crime the motive of michael dean is love for the murdered man's wife in other words the author assumes that hilliston loved you said claude coolly but i have your assurance that such is not the case you speak to me like that cried mrs bezel angrily to your mother larcher's expression did not change he turned a trifle paler and compressed his lips firmly otherwise he gave no outward sign of his emotion knowing so much of the case as he did he could not look on this woman in the light of a mother she had indirectly contributed to his father's death she had deserted him for twenty-five years and now that she claimed his filial reverence he was unwilling to yield it to her perhaps he was unjust and harsh to think this but the natural tie between them was so weakened by time and ignorance that he could find no affection in his heart to bestow on her to him she was a stranger nothing more let us understand each other he said coldly that you are my mother is no doubt true but i ask you if you have performed your maternal duties you obliterated yourself from my life you left me to be brought up by strangers in all ways you only consulted your own desires can you then expect me to yield you that filial obedience which every mother has a right to expect from her son if you enough sir said mrs bezel white with anger say no more i understand you only too well and now regret that i sought this interview which has resulted so ill i hoped that you would be glad to find your mother still alive that you would cherish her in her affliction i see i was wrong you are as cold and bitter as was your father my father yes do you think that all the wrong was on my side had i nothing to forgive him ah i see by your face that you know to what i allude it was your father and my husband who betrayed me for mona bantry you have no proof of that said claude in a low voice i have every proof the girl told me with her own lips i returned from that ball at three o'clock in the morning and mr jerringham left me at the door i entered the house alone and proceeded to my sitting-room there i found mona and my husband ah he did return from london on that night yes he returned thinking i was out of the way in order to see his mistress in his presence she confessed her guilt i looked to him for denial and he hung his head 
then hardly knowing what i did overcome with rage i snatched the dagger which i wore as part of my costume and and killed him shrieked claude springing to his feet for heaven's sake do not confess this to me why not i did no wrong i did not kill him i fainted before i could cross the room to where he stood when i recovered i was alone my husband and mona bantry had disappeared then i retired to bed and was ill for days i know no more of the case is this true asked claude anxiously why should it not be true do you think i would invent a story like that to asperse the memory of your father vilely as he treated me i loved him i do not know who killed him the dagger i wore disappeared with him it was found in the garden his body in the river four miles down but i declare to you solemnly that i am ignorant of whose hand struck the blow it might have been mona or jerringham or-or hilliston you are wrong there replied his mother coolly or else your judgment has been perverted by that book mr hilliston was still at the ball when the tragedy occurred his evidence at the trial proved that don't say a word against him he has been a good friend to you and to me i do not deny that you cannot when i was arrested and tried for a crime which i never committed he stood by me when i left the court alone and friendless he stood by me i decided to feign death to escape the obloquy which attaches to every suspected criminal he found me this refuge and installed me here as mrs bezel he took charge of you and brought you up and looked after your money and mine don't you dare to speak against him exhausted by the fury with which she had spoken the unfortunate woman leaned back in her chair claude already regretting his harshness brought a glass of water which he placed to her lips after a few minutes she revived and feebly waved him away but he was not to be so easily dismissed i am sorry i spoke as i did mother he said tenderly arranging her pillows now that i have heard your story i see that you have suffered greatly it is not my right to reproach you no doubt you acted for the best therefore i do not say a word against you or mr hilliston but ask you to forgive me the tears were rolling down mrs bezel's cheeks as he spoke thus and without uttering a word she put her hand in his in token of forgiveness claude pressed his lip to her faded cheek and thus reconciled as much as was possible under the circumstances they began to talk of the case what do you intend to do asked mrs bezel weakly find out who killed my father it is impossible after five-and-twenty years i have told you all i know and you see i cannot help you i do not know whom to suspect you surely have some suspicion mother no i have no suspicions whomsoever killed your father took the dagger out of my sitting-room perhaps mona i think not she had no reason to kill him he had wronged her and me cried mrs bezel vehemently do not talk any more of these things claude i know nothing more i can tell you nothing more then i must try and find john parver and learn how he became acquainted with the story that is why i sent for you why i revealed myself why i told you all i have suffered find john parver and tell me who he is what he is 
this claude promised to do and as his mother was worn out by the long conversation he shortly afterward took his leave as he descended fitzjohn's avenue a thought flashed into his mind as to the identity of john parver i wonder if john parver is mark jerringham said claude the question was to be answered on that very evening End of chapters 11 and 12